take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of 1 John. And then buckle your seatbelt and hang on. Got a lot to cover in this text this morning. This uh, passage is loaded with truth. Most of you, especially if you played sports, but not the sports, but uh, probably all of us at some place in life uh, have heard the statement, practice makes perfect. Uh, and it's interesting when you read uh, this, uh, these few verses in First uh, John here, chapter 3, uh, these uh, five verses, six verses. Uh, if, uh, if you read these six verses, uh, you may not notice it if you're reading uh, the uh, King James Version as much, uh, but there are actually five times in those six verses uh, that there is a word there, uh, the same word, uh, that uh, can also uh, be translated as the word practice. Uh, the word practice. And, uh, for example, in, uh, in verse 4, uh, it says, Whosoever committeth sin. Uh, and that word also, uh, for, um, and, and many modern uh, other translations do it that way, says, Whoever practices sin. Uh, whoever routinely, uh, regularly practices sin. Uh, he says they are transgressing uh, the law. They are uh, breaking the law uh, of, uh, of God. And as we uh, look at these verses, I want to share them with you uh, real quick. Uh, these, uh, these verses and where the word uh, practice actually uh, would show up uh, if, uh, if we did it that way. Uh, again, uh, verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning, who routinely, regularly sins. Then uh, verse 7 uh, goes on and, and does it again. It says, Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness uh, is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Uh, then finally in verse 9, uh, it says that no one born of God makes a practice uh, of sinning. And so we see in these six verses uh, that John uses uh, two, uh, two different ideas of practice. He says, whoever practices sin or whoever practices righteousness. Now, again, I come back to that statement that uh, many of us have heard all our life, and that is uh, that practice makes perfect. And so uh, the question I think that uh, has to be asked out of, uh, out of that thought then is, what are we practicing? Uh, you know, if, uh, he only gives us two options. He says you're either practicing sin or you're practicing righteousness. And so uh, which one is it uh, that we're making a practice of uh, in uh, our life? And uh, John makes some very uh, blunt statements that we're going to look at. Uh, he says if uh, you are practicing sin, then this is what we know about you. Uh, then these are the conclusions uh, that we can come to. If you are practicing righteousness, then these are the conclusions we come to. And so uh, this morning as we uh, look at that text, uh, I just want to begin with that question. And I want to leave it uh, in, your, in your lap for a few moments this morning. What are we practicing? What are you practicing? We have uh, only two choices that, uh, that John uh, gives us here, uh, either righteousness or what he calls lawlessness or, uh, or sin. Uh, 
uh, are the only two options uh, that he provides. And, uh, and so as we think about that question for a moment, let's look at the text uh, and see what John says then uh, about these two practices, whether we're practicing sin, lawlessness, uh, or practicing uh, righteousness. First of all, uh, as we begin this passage, John says uh, that there is uh, a problem here uh, that we have to understand as we look at it. He says, whosoever committeth or whosoever practices sin, he says, they are transgressing or, or breaking the law for sin is the breaking, the transgressing uh, of the law. He says, here's the problem. If you are practicing sin, you are breaking the law. Uh, that, that is the problem that Jen, uh, John is going uh, to make here uh, that he presents to us uh, as we think about that. We live uh, in a society uh, that by and large really doesn't, um, doesn't think too uh, lowly, doesn't, think too, uh, doesn't have a very low opinion uh, of sin. In fact, uh, we live in a society today uh, that by and large finds sin comical. Uh, by and large finds sin funny. We see uh, sin in our world and uh, it's, the, uh, it's the fodder for comedians to make jokes about. We, uh, we just don't, uh, you know, the, the things that uh, once upon a time in our world uh, were things that, uh, that many people wouldn't have done uh, in the privacy uh, of their own home, alone in their, in their room with the door shut and locked, uh, they wouldn't have done. Uh, today, those same acts are committed uh, out on the street in public for the world to see. Uh, not just on the street in public, uh, but many times with the television camera on them so everybody uh, can see. We just don't have uh, a very uh, bad uh, perception uh, of sin in our world today. But John says... Practicing sin is breaking uh, the law. He says sin is lawlessness. Now, uh, what exactly does he mean uh, by that statement? I'm going to ask you again. Uh, I said, I'll go buckle your seatbelts for a minute. Hang on. Uh, we're going to go down a, a, a road here in talking about sin uh, and lawlessness that uh, may be a little unfamiliar to you. Uh, John says that sin uh, is lawlessness. So that brings us to the question then. Uh, I think a lot of people have a, uh, an idea of what sin is, but we're going to talk about that in just a minute too. But let's talk about lawlessness first. Let's work backwards. Sin is lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is the willful uh, rejection, the willful uh, active disobedience uh, to the teaching, to the standards uh, of God. It is the willful active choice to go against the, uh, the law of God. That, that, again, that's what lawlessness is. Just the same uh, as if you get out here and go down Hopper Tent Road doing 65, you have willfully chosen uh, to go against the law. The posted speed limit uh, is 45, and you have made a conscious decision uh, to go against that law, lawlessness that John is talking about, is consciously, willfully choosing uh, to go against uh, the, the law uh, of God. I like what uh, Spurgeon said. Uh, Spurgeon said one time, uh, he, he says, we judge, we mistakenly, excuse me, let me make sure I include that word, we mistakenly judge the gravity of sin merely by its consequences. We mistakenly judge the gravity of sin merely by its consequences. Let me give you an example of that before I finish this statement. Have you ever heard anybody use the phrase, well, it's just a little white lie? Yeah. Because it doesn't have uh, a lot of consequences, it's not a big problem. 
because it doesn't have, you know, telling a little white lie, well, that's not the same as, as, as murdering somebody. Uh, that, that's not the same. This is just a small scene. You know kind of some of the terminology we use. And as Bertha says, we mistakenly uh, determine uh, the gravity of sin by its consequences. But it, he says it's not the amount of damage that results from it that makes it a sin. It is the thing itself that makes it a sin. It's not the results of it. It's not what comes out of it. It's not whether my uh, whether what I tell is a little white lie that doesn't really uh, affect much, or whether it's a, a golly woman. You know, it does, you know, y'all know what a golly woman is, right? You know, it's not about how bad the consequences are. It is the fact that a lie is a lie, and a lie is sin, and that is lawlessness, that is breaking the law of God. That, that's what John is trying to get across to us here. He says sin is lawlessness. And, and, and notice this, something very important here. The emphasis John makes, the word that John uses there, is John doesn't say uh, in that verse, he doesn't say whosoever committed sins with an S on it. Whosoever committeth sins with an S on it. John says, whosoever committeth sin. Sin. He doesn't have an S on it. The emphasis here is not on sins plural, but on sins singular. Whoever practices sin. Sins and I don't know if the S is coming through uh, the sound system or not, sins, plural, are, are the fruit uh, uh, of this thing. Sin is the root of the thing. Sin is what happens in the heart. Sins are then what comes out of it. Sin is the willful rejection of the principles and the teaching of God. Sin is the willful rejection of the authority of God. Sin is the willful decision that I will not follow God. And then once I have made that decision, then I will lie, then I will steal, then I will do those other things. Sin is the root. Sins are the fruit. I hope that makes sense to you. Sin is a decision that happened in the heart. Sin is the choice that I make that leads to the sins. Sin is the decision that I make. And that's what John is talking about here. John says the person that willfully practices that. Sin, singular, is a matter of the will. It is a matter of the heart. When that's something that goes on uh, internally. It's when I determine that, that I'm going to put my, my will against the will of God. Have you ever seen a small child and you tell that child to sit down and that child... Some of y'all look at... I need to send my kids to y'all's house. Some of y'all look at me like y'all's kids just sit right down. Yeah. I know better. I know a lot of y'all's kids. Now they grown now, but I still know. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You tell them to sit down, don't do that, don't touch that. Them birth girls must have been bad. Cherry laughing up a storm over here. Yeah. Don't forget, I knew Dana when she was little. I knew Amanda and Angel when they were little. Oh, don't, don't, don't sit there all looking all. I knew James Turner when he was little. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me that. Yeah. I knew some of these kids when they were little. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That it was the decision in their heart that did, you know, don't touch that. It was the decision in their heart then that led to the action 
of touching. Right? Does that make sense to you what I'm talking about? The difference in sin and sins. Sin is that willful choice. You know, you, and, and let's, let's, okay, let's be honest. Let's forget about your children for a minute. Let's be honest. And you go ahead and flash back to when you were the child. Some of you is a bigger flash than others, but you flash back there. You remember when mama or daddy said something to you, and in your mind, a row of, de- uh, of consequences and decisions kind of run through your mind? Should I or shouldn't I? Do I or don't I? I know mama said be home by 11, but is it worth it? That internal decision that leads to the external. That's what John is wanting us to think about for a moment. Is that internal. When he says the practice of sin, he's saying the practice of routinely, regularly placing our will against the will of God Himself. I say that, you know, again, regardless of what the outer action is, you know, regardless of what the outer, what happens on the outside, what John is saying is it's that inner action, that inner thought, that heart process that is the practice of sin. See, you know, you, you, you know uh, I, I, I've told you before about the story, you know, of, you know the, the little girl, she's in the car, and this is important. How many of y'all, most of y'all in here old enough to remember that when a seat belt in the car seat for a kid was, remember that? You know, it's a miracle most of us didn't end up with broke ribs. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, little girl, they're going down the road with her dad, and she's standing up in the front seat. And Daddy says, sit down. She says, I said, sit down. She finally sits down. And then she, she's sitting there like this. She says, what's wrong, honey? She says, well, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still standing up. That's sin. It's not about the outward action. It's about the heart, the practice of sin, John says. He says, that's the problem when we decide in our heart that our heart is breaking law, that we, we've got that inner rebellion in us. Sin is choosing to go our own way. Sin is doing our own thing. I, I, you know, I don't care what the commercials say. It's sin to choose to do our own thing. It's living about, it's being more concerned about our own wants and desires than what God wants. It's just simply being disobedient to God. That's what John's talking about. John said that sin, that willful decision in our heart, he said is lawlessness. That's the problem that John wants us to understand. But then he says, in spite of that, in spite of that problem, he says there is a provision. Look what he says in the next verse. Boy, it would be sad if this next verse wasn't there. If all we had was he that practices sin is breaking the law, We'd be in a terrible fix. But he goes on in this next verse and tells us about the provision. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to volunteer. I'm not going to ask you to document or tell us the story. If you want to come to the altar about it, that's all right. Yeah. But all of us know that if that is the definition of sin, if that's what John's talking about, everybody in here would have to say, you know what? I'm guilty of sin. I don't have a hope if that's what he's talking about. But he says here, but you know that he, who's he? Christ was manifested, was manifest, made seen, made visible, came to earth to take away our sins. What John is saying is, we don't have to practice lawlessness. We don't have to practice sin. 
because there is a provision in Jesus Christ. Christ came to earth to take away our sins. And uh, he walked this earth uh, and, and was sinless. And he did that. And notice that verse that says, In him is no sin. When Christ came to earth, the Bible says he came as a man, was tempted just like us, and yet he was sin-free and lived and, 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 and practiced the, the perfect life on this earth. And, and so the question is, what does this mean? It means that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice for my lawlessness and my sin. That he paid the price for that sin that I had committed. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, the Bible says to us there, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Listen, according to the first verse we read today, I'm doomed. I'm hopeless. You're doomed. And you're hopeless. But I like what John says in this next verse. He doesn't say we hope he came to take away our sin. We think he came to take away our sin. We got a, we got a, a rumor that he came to take away our sin. John says we know he came to take away our sin. One verse says I'm hopeless. The next verse says I have all the hope. I could ever need. He says he gave that provision that he came. And he says what happens to us is when a person genuinely believes in Christ, when they genuinely ask Christ into their heart, God counts the sacrifice of Christ for us. He counts the sacrifice. He no longer sees our sins, but he sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. He sees that Jesus died for us and that our sins are removed from us and they're gone. The Bible says they are as far as the east is from the west. He says, I have been forgiven. And then he tells us, he goes on and he says, and some might question that, but he says, here's the proof that I want you to see. Verse, uh, verse 6, he goes on and he says these words, Whosoever abideth in him sins not. Whosoever sinneth uh, hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He that doeth or practices righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So the question again comes this morning, what are we practicing? We're practicing lawlessness or we're practicing righteousness. And John says that a person that doesn't practice righteousness has not seen Christ. I can't clean that up for you. I can't change the, 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 the brutal, right between the eyes punch of that statement. You are either practicing lawlessness, practicing sin, or you are practicing righteousness. A person, he says, that is deliberately, routinely, habitually practicing sin is proving he doesn't know Christ. Now John's not saying that when we walk this earth, and, yeah, and I don't have time to go into uh, or, or, the, or the ability, for that matter, uh, to go into all the Greek that is there. John's not saying that we are that we we never commit a sin, that, that we're sinners. That was just Jesus Christ. But what he is talking about again is that little word, practice, habitually sin. He says that you can keep going back to the same slop over and over and over and the Holy Spirit of God that lives in your heart never wells up and says, Hey, we ought not be here. We ought not be living this way. We ought not be doing these things. If you can habitually, routinely go back and continually go back to sin 
over and over again, and the Holy Spirit of God never wells up in you, never speaks to you and says, we ought not be here. You ought not be doing that. You ought not be talking like that. You ought not be hanging out here. If the Holy Spirit of God that lives in every believer doesn't rear up and speak to you, then John says, here's the question. Does the Holy Spirit really live in you? He said, because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you have a genuine relationship with God, if we, he says, he uses the word here, if we abide in Christ, if we have genuinely accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we love Him because He died for us, He paid for our sins, we will not be able to routinely, ritually, regularly, habitually, whatever words you want to use, go back over and over and over to the same pig slop. We'll be like the prodigal son who woke up in the pig pen and said, I don't have to be here. I'm going to go home to my father. John is saying a person that can routinely practice sin. He says the truth is Christ doesn't live in them. But if Christ lives in us, we practice righteousness. You know why you practice? Because you hadn't got it yet. He didn't say we were perfect, but he said we would practice righteousness. We would work, be working our way. Whether or not we have proof of whether or not we have accepted Christ, whether we know Christ, whether Christ is living in us, is whether or not we are practicing righteousness, whether or not we have turned from the practice of sin. So here's the reality of these verses. You're practicing one or the other. Notice John doesn't give us a third option. Doesn't give uh, the option to sit on the sidelines. He says you're either practicing sin or you're practicing righteousness. One of the two. And he said if you're practicing sin, you don't know Christ. And if you're practicing righteousness, if you know Christ, you will practice righteousness. Listen. He says, very simply, he says if we, this is a blunt statement he makes, he says if we routinely practice sin, we have not seen Christ, we have not known Him. Again, doesn't mean we're perfect. It's talking about our practice. What we routinely involve ourselves in. What we routinely keep going back to over and over again. Listen, if our relationship with God, I'm going to go from preaching to meditating. Won't be the first time, won't be the last time. If our relationship with God won't bring us, if we're healthy, not otherwise hindered, if our relationship with God won't bring us into God's house to worship, I know there's some that that's going to aggravate. If our relationship with God won't lead us to pray, won't lead us to read His Word, if our relationship with Him doesn't lead us to practice righteousness, John said, not Jimmy, John said, we have not seen Oh, I know that's brutal. I know that stings a little bit for some folks. And again, I said if you're not hindered, if you're not 
I understand there's, there's circumstances in everybody's life. Again, we're talking about practice. Not perfection, practice. If we don't practice righteousness, John says, we don't know him. Practicing righteousness doesn't just involve, I just made a list of kind of Sunday things. Unfortunately, here's the list. Practicing righteousness isn't just a Sunday thing. If we're not practicing righteousness Monday through Saturday, if Monday through Saturday we're practicing lawlessness and coming in on Sunday and trying to act a little righteous, which one are we really practicing? John says if we're not practicing righteousness, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. Why does this matter? Notice the purpose. Why does this really matter? What John says here in this verse, in verse 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil. He that practices sin is of the devil. Again, I didn't write it. I just read it. He that committeth or practices sin is the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The person that sins practices sin, John says, is of the devil. Shocking. Painful. Hurts to hear. Jesus put it even clearer back again in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 8, verse 44, John said these words. Some of you will remember them. He says, you are of your father the devil. That's about as blunt as you can get it, isn't it? You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. You don't believe John, believe Jesus. <laughs> you are of your father the devil. Sin, he says, it's not of God. Satan is the father of sin. If you practice sin, if you practice lawlessness, he says, then you are living like your father, the devil. You are living by him. It is sin that separates us from God. It is sin that drives a wedge between us and God. God, God hates sin. God despises sin so much that his son had to die on a cross to, to pay for that sin. He had to hang on that cross and... and Die there for that sin. Then look what John says. Here's what I. Here's what God would desire to have happen. Here's what God wants to take place. Look in verse nine. Beautiful verse. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit or practice sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. If he is a child of God, he does not practice sin. Does not continue in sin. Child of God, he says, can't do it. Again, doesn't say that a Christian reaches a place of, of sinless perfection. But he reaches a place where it is not a habit. A.T. Robertson, great scholar, great writer, some of you may have some of his books, says this. It says, he cannot go on sinning. He cannot go on and on and on doing the same thing. Listen, the Amplified Bible does this verse this way. It says, uh, that the begotten of God does not deliberately and knowingly, habitually practice sin. 
John says that's what God wants in our life. God wants us to practice righteousness. He wants us to live that life. I don't think I can make it happen from here. Well, Caleb, why don't y'all put put the next slide up on the screen for me? I don't know how well that shows on the screen. But that's the Nile River. I don't know if you know this about the Nile. The Nile is the only major river in the world that runs from the south to the north. Very unusual. But I want you to notice on that map, on that drawing or whatever you want to call it of the Nile, it goes up just a little ways and it bears off to the west. There's off to the east. I'm on the wrong side of the map here. And then it comes back. And then it goes up a little further and it bears off. Matter of fact, at one point, it's almost running south. You see that on the picture? It, this, I, at the very least, you say that's southwest, I guess, or southeast. Or, I don't know. I'm upside down here from the picture. Southeast. Look what happens to it. It eventually works its way back around and heads back north until it eventually drains into the sea. See that in that picture? It's heading north. Every now and then it might veer off to the east or the west or maybe even a little bit to the south. Let me give credit to that illustration to John Phillips. Great, great Bible expositor. Lives here in North Carolina, great man. And Philip says, you know what? He says, on occasion it may go off to the east, may go to the west, may even go to the south. But ultimately, it runs nowhere. Christians, we may occasionally veer off to the east. We may occasionally veer off to the west. Sometimes, man, we might even turn around and go the other direction and go back south. But if you're a true child of God, you'll end up going back to the north. You can't keep going against God. Remember what the Spirit said to Paul down the Damascus Road? It's hard to go against the goads. Hard to go against the pricks. You ever grab a rose, stem of a rose? You know, if you run your, it's not real good running your hand, but if you run your hand the wrong way down that rose, it'll get your attention more. You can go as a believer, you take time for you to go east, west, south. You can go the wrong way. But the Holy Spirit in you will raise up and say, we need to get back on the right road. We need to go back north where we belong. What are you practicing? Which way is your river running? There are Christians in this room. There are people who would say, Oh, I, believe, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a believer. I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But I also know right now, I'm in a patch. I'm in a spot. I'm in a place in my life where I'm running to the east. I'm running to the west. Might even be running south. What does they say? One step forward and two steps back. There are genuine believers watching us online today, sitting in this room, who say, Oh, I know I'm going to heaven. No doubt whatsoever. But right now, I know I'm going through a patch in my life. I'm going through some circumstances. I'm going through some situations in my life where I'm off the track. And the Holy Spirit in me is wearing me out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You, maybe you're not there right now, but you have been. You have been. There's nothing quite like the Holy Spirit getting a hold of your old heart and saying, hey, you need to get back on path. There's nothing. It's not indigestion, folks. 
It's not them tacos you had for lunch yesterday. It's the Holy Spirit of God saying, you're taking me some places I don't want to go. We're going down a road I don't want to be on. You're living a life I don't approve of. We need to get back on path. We need to get back on path. Are you that Christian this morning? You need to come today and kneel and say, Lord, help me to get on path. Maybe this morning you say, I'm not off path, but man, I see a couple forks in the road and I want God to help me take the right path. I don't want to get off track. You want to come and say, Lord, keep me, keep me headed straight. I want to practice righteousness. But most of all, I want to talk to anybody this morning whether you're here in this room, whether you're joining us online, who you'll be honest enough this morning to say, you know what? I'm practicing sin. That's a hard statement to make. Hard statement to make. But it's a statement that has to be made before you can turn around and go the other direction. If you're here today, if you're joining us online, you say, I don't know Christ. Again, hear me when I said a while ago. There's a difference in sin and sins. Sins is the fruit. Sin is the root. You're not robbing the bank. You're not robbing the liquor store. You're not out on the street selling drugs. That's the fruit. But in your heart, in your heart, you've never asked Christ into your life. That's rebellion. That's sin. You hear this morning, you don't know him personally. Would you come and let us show you from God's Word? You're joining us online. Would you send us a message, call, email, reach out? Not hard to find at all. I'd love to talk to you about how you can change your life to the point where now you're practicing righteousness. Boy, these are some hard words John threw on us today. These are some uncomfortable words that he's put in our life. What are we practicing? Righteousness or lawlessness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. And God, your servant John has got up in our business today. He's put the truth on the table for us. That it's what we practice. God, there are Christians in this room who need to come and kneel at this altar. God, they're headed north. They're ultimately going to end up with you. They're ultimately going to end up in your presence because they're truly a child of God. But there's some things in their life right now that need to be dealt with. There are some practices in their life right now that they need to speak to you about and have you help them cleanse and remove. God, there are Christians in this room who they haven't got off path yet, but boy, that opportunity, that challenge is facing them. God, they need to come and kneel and pray, Lord, for your strength, your guidance to help them continue to practice righteousness. But God, most of all this morning, we're moved and we're bothered if there are those who might be here, who might be online, who the truth is, that as hard as it is to hear, as Jesus says, you are of your father the devil. They don't know Christ personally. If they were to die today, if they were to leave this life this instant, they would spend an eternity in hell, separated from you, 
but they don't know Christ personally. Young or old, Father, we pray that you their hearts. We give the honor for what you do. It's in Jesus' precious name, and as we stand again.